spidey senses tingling. Really big show. He's the host that just 33 years ago today, on the date of this recording, probably not its release, uh, was gently placed uh, squealing into the arms of his lovely mother, Peg. Uh, He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 241. 240 fun, we like to call it. Welcome to the show. These witty lines the whole show folks stay tuned they're all night long stay tuned uh paperkeg.com book club of the week preacher book one Them Saint of Killers. Is that, right? is, that the, is that that character's name? Who knows? Uh, book club this week. Preacher book one, uh, and we'll close out the show with your letters live to tape. Letters at paperhead.com. Uh, you know, preacher's hot right now. There's news articles about this show. Preacher coming out April or May. Who knows? AMC. Check it out. This is where it all started. Preacher. We have three living hosts. One is a writer. He, Not by uh, trade, but by fancy. He does, a, he does a newsletter for the Patreon. You know, we have a Patreon. Still active. Jonesy Loves Beer, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I, you know, I punch up at least two paragraphs for your pleasure. Uh, please do not divide by your pledge and get a dollar per word count. Uh, just don't do that to yourselves. Uh, I thank you kindly for your one to two likes per month. I get on those newsletters. Just keep them rolling in. Writer, show writer, not by trade. You know, it's hard getting those those paragraphs out every week. You know, just as equally hard to get those uh, show posts out every week. You know, announcing the next book club. You know, the man in charge of those. I'm not sure if it came out quite in time this week. Dale underscore VP of merch. Facebook phenom. You know, he's cutting checks at Paper Keg HQ to all our vendors. They're filling out forms, making sure everybody gets paid on time. Welcome back. Everything's in triplicate. Carbon 30 is an industry standard, obviously. And uh, as long as they, you know, they dot the I's and cross the T's. Reimbursement City over here, friends. And then uh, you would uh, come down later in the evening to record your pa- record your favorite podcast and mine, Paper Keg. Uh, right beforehand, you uh, not so quite lean over and uh, kiss your two fingers and place them on your wife's lips because she is deathly ill. And you realize just how good you got it when you're sitting there. Uh, spending some time with her as she just gazes into that screen of her phone. Uh, barely <laughs> letting you know that she's there and or alive. Uh, spouse. She's too deep in that, f- in that marriage, Facebook. folks. <laughs> no? What an enlightening insight into, you know, the love mm. that the both of you share. It's, it runs... Screen deep. <laughs> runs screen deep, runs 3D touch deep. <laughs> you know, we have a huge show this week. Welcome back to Paper Keg. We're on a hot streak. You know, former host of the show, Mark Farrington, returned just two episodes ago. Number one show of the year by far. Might Absolutely. have been the number one show of 2015. Mm. The numbers. I mean, I looked, I looked at the numbers, yeah. and even I was bowled over. By well, the a, numbers. That's a bold face lie. Jonesy does not have yeah. access to any kind of numbers. As a non-voting member mm-hmm. of the Paper Cake Radio Syndicate, me with my B shares, I do not get access to the numbers. Jup- they could be cooking the books. I don't even know. Jupiter's okay. cooking the books. Let's just write that one down. Jonesy's sure I notate that in the show notes. Jonesy's feeling the burn right now. 
Jonesy was letting loose on the Electoral College earlier. He was spouting out slogans that don't even exist yet. Burnouts. Burnout. Burnouts. There you go. If you want to get an insight into Jonesy's voting record, you know he's 100% hill dog. Mm. Or maybe it's Trump. Who knows? 100% does not vote because I don't want jury duty, friend. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> off the grid, this you guy. You don't vote. Jonesy, what kind, of, what kind of future are you trying to lay the groundwork for your two Listen. sons? It's quite possible to vote without going in and registering you as a uh, township member with your name and address. You want to you wanna get jury duty? Go ahead and be an organ donor. You want to get jury duty? Go home, Go ahead and register to vote at your local high school. Just don't do it. I don't understand what just happened. Did that even answer my question? I don't think no, it did. Either. That was some, some kind of he's burning more the dwelling books. on jury Cooking duty books. books. Yeah, I do have this thing. I want to get through my whole life without going once. So hopefully I'm not bugged right now. So the future of our country, it could be teetering, but the fact that you didn't get jury duty that one time is worth the future of your family. I feel, I feel like that's an acceptable exchange. <laughs> Me not going to jury duty. I feel like after we get done recording, you're going to text Slim and ask him to edit out this whole segment <laughs> of the show. <laughs> Did we talk about that one time I had to go in for a couple days last year? Did you? Dad, it, did you get put on trial? Were you at a jury? Yeah, the uh, I brought, that's when I read Brian O'Malley's Seconds, and I started, I think that's when I was reading 52. Maybe volume two I tried to keep up with it, or volume one for wow. the show. And uh, I think the second day, or the first day, I finally got called in, and after filling out the paperwork, I actually got selected to go sit in the chair, like the jury chairs. This was before you had your hair. This was before, yeah. Let's not forget about, we need to talk about my hair. Auto-DQ'd, if I were an attorney. Look at they, that hair. Get him out of here. They scolded me for reading 52 on my tablet. I wasn't allowed to have a screen. Like, I think I, I had to close my my tablet. Wow. And uh, I think this was right before San Diego or something, San Diego Comic-Con. I told him I had to go, and the judge was like a real jerk. He said, like, tough. And then I uh, said that I I had, I, I wrote like I had strong strong opinions about X, and then I eventually got kicked out. I was like the last one kicked out. Otherwise, I would have been in the jury. Man, you almost you almost got picked, my friend. Mm-hmm. I think the real trick, Jonesy, should you ever decide to give a hoot about our country mm-hmm. in, our, in, our, in our presidential hey, candidates? Hey, I signed up for the selective service. And uh, should you ever decide to do that, you know, the real thing, Say you're really against guns, you know, or uh, an ethnic race. You know, the stuff you say off air, say that in front of the jury <laughs> trial if you don't want to get picked. Yeah, for the record, I have voted. I just don't go down and register to vote with my address, which is dumb. I'm hearing, I'm hearing several different stories. We'll see what the, what the friends of the show think about this once it hits the air. Listen, the friends of the show can DM me all they want. I'll explain to them the difference, but since they're educated, well-meaning adults, they'll know what I'm talking about. How many times have you voted, Slim? I vote every every time I have the option. Every time you have the option. Oh gosh, every presidential, local? every presidential race, every uh, time. So did that, you just you just voted in the the Pennsylvania caucus? I haven't, I haven't yet. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> what was the last time you voted? <laughs> Don't worry about me. I'm, oh, I'm turning okay. the tables on you. I'm I've, I'm fine, comfortable at this table because I give. I give a crap about this this country of mine, you know that's given me so much. You know, I did, yeah. I did feel the need to vote against Mitt Romney this last presidential election. Wow, burned me into action. Mitt, mm. I would have been remit if I didn't go and vote against them. <laughs> I'm saying, babe, wow. no, remit. Maybe we should move on. We have a book club preacher book one right around the corner. Garth Ennis, right? He wrote it, I think. He did. You're, you are uh, Steve correct. Steve Dillon. Steve Dillon, famed artist of Wolverine Origins. It's probably where you know him from. I think he did a few Punisher series around. You know, Welcome back, Frank. Uh, but we should talk about Daredevil because season two will have aired by the time this posts. That's right. Excitement level. Jonesy loves beer. This is your number one character of all time, Daredevil. Now true, with Punisher, how are you feeling right now in anticipation of season two? I 
am keeping my expectations super low because of the way season one kind of petered out. Uh, but I think John Bernthal is a wonderful choice to play the Punisher born Punisher, like the like absolutely schizophrenic superhero pro- uh, Punisher. And uh, we all know that uh, Charlie Cox has the uh, the chops to play Matt Murdock. So the only X factor I think is going to be this whole hand business that I keep uh, mm-hmm. seeing jump in because I think they're I think they just cast Iron Fist Iron Fist. So uh, I hope they're just not going to do like the last half of the the next season, like just trying to get him set up. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a little trepidatious, but, you know, I love Bendy. I love uh, Malieve, and it seems like we're going to be getting a lot of that. And okay. Dale, you, lo- you loved season one, right? I, I enjoyed greatly season one. Uh, the amount of mouth breathing that Charlie Cox does after a, a fight scene or a run. Uh, the amount of uh, that, the amount of breathing that the boom mic picks up of him huffing through his mouth, is uh, is the stuff of ages. <laughs> Dale, what did you like better, uh, Jessica Jones or Daredevil? Oh, Daredevil by far. Wow, Daredevil by far. You're yeah. reversed. I Jessica thought you were Jones. a big uh, JJ fan. Jessica Jones was uh, probably like me. Plus squatty potty equals. Oh my word! Wow, can you even say that on a podcast? Squatty potty. What about um, Electra and her little Electra costume? Seems I, I heard rumors that this season would be more superheroish. Those are the rumors. I don't know. I I loved the first half of season one, where superheroes were mentioned, but. Daredevil himself was not very super heroic. You know, he wasn't super ca- I don't he wasn't super competent, super capable. I feel like everybody in the Marvel U is 100% of the time the best possible person they could be and and does the best possible job a superhero could do and I truly felt like Daredevil made a lot of mistakes and that ground I think that grounded that show a lot. And uh I hope they don't take a turn from that. This next season, like, don't be afraid to let Matt fail, mm. you know? Yeah, I f- finished it, and I there was that flashback episode. They mentioned Electra in passing. I think it's like that Matt took Greek in college and met that one girl, and then she left town or something like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, when he was uh, tr- studying to be an avocado. <laughs> Slim. <laughs> yes. Oh, right. So should we get into the uh, Preacher Book Club? No, yeah, let's do it. This is this is a big one. This was as voted by you, dear friend of the show, who's listening to this on their app of choice, you know, on their commute, New Jersey Transit, what have you. Probably not on Spotify. That's <laughs> not a thing for paper if can, cake. If we can give an update on, on our Spotify podcast It's not a thing Dale, for this you? VP of merch. Your contacts at Spotify haven't called back yet. They, or they're, uh, they're canceling th- our meetings. I think they pretty much gave me a dead email address. They, I don't think they believe in me <laughs> whatsoever. They, t- they give you no <laughs> reply at Spotify.com. Right. They said contact us anytime. So therefore, they have uh, checks waiting to be cut, and uh, <laughs> they have there nobody there to claim them. So I think we're on the pl- has the Play Store has Google Music. Uh, launch podcast yet? Because I know I've submitted that one personally. Uh, I, don't I, I don't know if that's live yet. I don't think it's live. I uh, Last I think I saw on The Verge, it was super imminent, but there was no mm. concrete date yet. Stay tuned to The Verge for news. Mm. The Verge, that's where I've got to get my That's where news. you get your news about burnout and feel the burn. Mm-hmm. The Ver- they love Bernie. They do. Millennials love Bernie. You know, technically, we're still millennials. Do you know that? I okay. don't believe Google you. Google it. At Google, after the show, the age group for millennials. But first, Preacher Book One, historic book, beloved by most of the comic book reading population. Jonesy, what is this book? So, The Preacher. You know, who is he? What is he? 
12 issues, volume one, uh, takes us through the life of one Reverend Jesse Custer. He's a, a rogue, a rogue Reverend, if you will. Uh, sometime in memoriam, uh, an angel and a demon get together, and their offspring is uh, something they call Genesis, who has uh, the power equivalent to the Almighty himself. Uh, this entity escapes heaven. It's holding cell. Uh, and it crashes to earth, and it inhabits the soul of one Reverend Jesse Custer. And all H H's break loose. The upstairs H and the downstairs H. And they're all trying to get Genesis back in his cell because they realize no mortal should have the power of God. So volume one uh, introduces us to the uh, the big three characters of Preacher. Uh, Custer, uh, Tulip, his uh, ex-girlfriend, and a uh, happy-go-lucky vampire-esque character named Cassidy, who I, I want to believe is probably the most popular of the three. And their travels uh, away from Jesse's dark past and also uh, their flight away from the muscle of heaven, if you will, the saint of killers, who uh, is a gunslinger uh, that carries two peacemaker cults that uh, can never be jammed, never have to be reloaded, and always hit their mark. And he's like heaven's hitman. And he kind of uh, burns through uh, the countryside chasing after Jesse and ultimately Genesis. Uh, because of the powers of said genocide, uh, which is Jesse can kind of make you do whatever he wants. You know, the, the text turns red and he can command you to do whatever he describes. Uh, he's able to uh, avoid uh, the Saint of Killers and they seem like for a moment that everything's going to be okay. And then Jesse's past comes back to catch up with him, as they say. And the back half of the volume is essentially uh, told in flashback. And it's uh, the horrible, horrifying origin of uh, Reverend Jesse Custer, who, as we know him as the preacher. And if preacher. we can pull back the curtain, Gen Z, in anticipation of this episode, you know, made a bold claim that. Dale and I probably hated this book before sure. the show. Yeah, <laughs> I did. It's probably on everybody's backup audio at the very least. <laughs> Hopefully that backup recording is going at this moment. <laughs> sure. Let me... Uh... <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so, Jonesy, before we get into, you know, what Dale and I thought, yeah. m- you know, my guess was you adored this book can you can reveal yourself to us so i read this a long 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 time ago five or six years ago i probably read through the entirety of preacher and i do remember liking it then and reading it now with fresh eyes years later uh i appreciate it in different ways not so much entertainment value because my tastes have changed dramatically since then uh, you know, I don't care for vampires anymore. I think that's a played out scenario. I think that's well documented on uh, the Paper Keg show. Uh, but Preacher has influenced a lot of entertainment. And you can see that uh, just in the archetypes of this book. I feel like a lot of people do uh, angels as bad creatures now. Uh, and I think Maybe this program was what, or this program, this book was one of the first to do it right. Uh, you know, the Saint of Killers. There's a lot of uh, him, like influencing the show uh, Supernatural, the CW. Like a lot of his elements are prevalent uh, in that show, and also, um, I would even say the portrayal of the Deep South in the back half of this volume. Uh, is now prevalent in a lot of other books where the, the South is just scary and spooky. And um, you really learn to appreciate Preacher for kind of paving the way for 
and, and I guess DC Vertigo in general for paving the way for these kind of adult-ish kind of wacky books that make you look at everything just a little differently. So yeah, I mean, I, I loved it a long time ago, and now that I've read it again, I appreciate it in a lot of different ways. So this is where you guys tell me how much you hated it and how much you uh, hated it. Oh, this is so terrible. I just didn't connect with it. I wasn't in the mood to read it. This is like Atomic Robo all over again. My gosh, Jonesy. Jonesy, Jonesy, Jonesy. I was actually just looking through before Dale makes his big reveal. He's getting his notes together. Sure. I remembered that Paper Keg, in a manner of speaking, has done Preacher before. And I, I checked really? back the Twitter archives. And it was September 2010, mm. pre-Paper Keg, was when it was the Comics Podcast. Remember the Comics Podcast, the precursor to Paper Keg? Oh, and it was uh, episode nine, Preacher Volume 1 and 2, which would have been book one, and Moon Girl from Johnny Zito. Wow. Raza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely... Uh... That would have been weeks after Grayson was born, so I definitely wasn't on that episode. I do not believe. I actually think uh, Mary... Uh, Mary would have been on, yeah. Mary Mary Train. Her Twitter name was Mary Train at that time, but now it's Mary Sale. She's been married since then. Was that the ultra-long one with Mackle Henley? The ultra-long episode? Uh, boy, I don't, that was like a three-hour episode in my basement. Yeah, I think I, I might have burned the archives of that episode. <laughs> three hours. <laughs> Dale, please yeah. indulge us. This, uh, yeah, so this is... Hold on, we didn't get your opinion, Slim. <laughs> That's because I wanted Dale to give his first. Slim wants to go last, oh, you know, okay. as MC. So he can flip-flop as <laughs> need be. I learned it from you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the first time I ever had ever read Preacher. Uh, I remember, I think, for the comics podcast, I remember reading the first episode or two, or the first issue or two, and... Uh, that would have been it for me then. I, 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 hmm, how do I phrase this? How do I splay out my thoughts? Um, you hated it. This book for me started in the red. It was, uh, it was a slog. Uh, the first five or six issues, uh, maybe the, f- maybe until the end of the uh, seven issues is the first arc, I believe. It was very uh, dated. It was very 1994. Mm. It was very uh, Gen X. Like, it. I mean, for the time, it was probably like everybody's favorite, right? Like this, this long-haired, black, shirt-wearing... Dress up like a preacher. Oh my God! Think of like the the uh, the going against the grain, you know. Everybody like all the kids of the time, and there's references, and there's just a lot of like, like uh, you can bleep this out, Slim, but there's the the phrase cheese is in it, like used in a serious manner. <laughs> it's very like of the time, and it's very rebellious against a lot of the norm, especially just the fact that it's taking on religion, which always, it kind of makes me uncomfortable always. Um, Right, because you're a devout Mormon. (laughs) Um, So, like I said, it started in the red, but by the time the 12 issues were up, I was was officially, like, I loved the book by the end. Mm. But... A lot of the first half of the book was tough for me. Like, not even just the fact that it felt dated, just the fact that some of the stuff was so, like, rough. It was like, um, stray bullets kind of, like, with the language and the, uh, maybe a little scalp thrown in. The whole, the whole Southern police departments were just awful people. That sheriff with the poor kid. The, like uh, was that broke face. my heart completely. I, yeah. yeah, the arse face stuff I feel like is just makes me more uncomfortable now. Like I don't think yeah. it's kind of ha ha funny. I just think it's like borderline. Super I don't not funny. Read this anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. super not funny because you can't help but read into between the lines and the undertones of the father son relationship in like the few panels that they're in together. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, the worst. I mean, at the time, I tried to place myself in the in the nineties. Like, what other books had come out at this time that would have been, you know, so quote unquote risque for mm-hmm. comic books? Like, the Arse Face was probably really like, whoa, what is this? This is weird and funny. Um, the cop bridges, you know, the hardcore Schwarzenegger esque policeman oh, yeah. <laughs> that you know hated the gays, and then of course was outed as you know, ha- you know, calling um, I don't know what you would even call that, maybe some kind of like prostitution ring of dudes coming to his home to to give him the intercourse from right, behind. He hated them so much. Yeah, he hated them so much that he needed them. And he had the ball gag and all that stuff, like, and his partner interrupted and slipped on a liquid substance walking in, like, you know, that stuff <laughs> isn't in comic books at that time. Right. Um, when did when did Transmet come out? Was it was that like close in time frame? Does anybody remember? Yeah, I want to say that was ninety six, but I don't. Okay. But do not quote. Um, I can see this being Transmet related. Like people we know that are our age probably grew up on Preacher and it set off their comic loves but i think preacher for me has aged better than a transmet like transmet is like too in my face agree i'm hilarious and predicting the future and i'm over the top it's like poochie it's the poochie of comic books for me (laughs) (laughs) but preacher holds up better um and i think the second hat the second trade is the better of the trades i think Yes. Um, the I, I, th- I think it does a lot of things well in, in, in the humor aspect. There's a lot of great funny scenes in this book where it's like you're thrown into these three characters right away. Like they already know each other and then they tell how they met with flashbacks and stuff. Like the preacher, the vampire, and Tulip, the ex. And they all have kind of weird pasts and stories, but it doesn't matter at that moment. And I thought it did that really well, where generally if I'm thrown into three characters at the same time, it's like, oh God, now I have to sit through flashbacks to find out how they met, and it's just mm-hmm. going to be a pain in the ass. I just hate that kind of setup. But this one was really well done. And yeah, it was paced nicely. Like, you got to know enough of them and their comfortability with each other and their flashbacks with each other, all in, like, a nice, thought-about order. Mm-hmm. And those are the books that like really know me where it starts out with like six months from now or like, I'm just like, ugh, God, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I felt like, you know, Ennis did a really great job writing this and, and I, the jokey humor wasn't um, kind of in my face enough. Like the, how the, the, the seraphs or whatever those characters were, like were kind of running heaven because God or God left. And I and I I felt like the humor was really on point there. Like it didn't it didn't you know annoy me at all. It was just well well written, um, and there wasn't any kind of like I'm kind of almost like pinpointing why it's not like '90s Warren Ellis <laughs> and to defend Preacher. Like there wasn't any, <laughs> but there's no comparison know, between the two. I I mean like because I I compare it to like you know the Authority or Transmet or something. Like there wasn't any kind of like one-liners where like the main characters were badasses like too much when i was like oh god this is terrible um but it just it was good it was it's not i think you know having read it again six later i can't remember what the heck i said about it six years ago but Mm -hmm. it doesn't have the same effect as someone maybe that was like introduced to a different genre of comic books we've read most everything that would have impacted us as much as preacher would have i think yeah, you're right. If if somebody was just only used to superhero comics and they had read this for the first time, especially growing up, they, it probably blew their minds just the way people and talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that, I mean, that, that could be the case for people too that like don't even read comics, and maybe they read Preacher, and it could open up you know their idea of what a comic book is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I certainly see that as being uh, an appeal. I mean, it's definitely definitely an example of what a comic can be that doesn't you know match somebody's expectations it's uh you know it's like i said it's just like it's hard in the beginning it's it's uh you just got like a little crossed peppered in there just like the visuals of some of the grotesque 
shootings and stuff like that. But it got better the second trade I really liked. I mean, it was really hardcore. Like Jesse's Jesse Custer's uh, origin story is really one for the the books, man. It is like hardcore. But you know, you finally know why he became a preacher to begin with. And uh, you know, it's it's interesting how there's this thing inside of him. Genesis embod is you know he's embodying Genesis, but it's not. He's not like a main player. I like how it's like a thing that's in the that's with him all the time, but it's not the story of Genesis, mm-hmm. like escaping from heaven. Heaven's, heaven's holding cell it's still Jesse Custer like it's his body his influence his mind he just has this power of Genesis that he doesn't use all the time he's still a guy with man, like you know human powers he can get his butt kicked especially if he can't command somebody to you know drop the drop the weapon or whatever I like that and the the uh, just the second half of the, the volume was I really really liked it was tough. I think, uh, like even Jesse Custer, Jesse Custer's use of uh, language. I mean, it's a little over the top for me, but you know, it's uh, it's what the kids wanted. You know? Yeah, and I think what you had mentioned about religion, and maybe it's lost on us more so than it would be for others, but it definitely does poke fun at the idea, you know, of Christianity and what that means and mm-hmm. its effect on people and it. You know, probably for us, we don't really notice it as much, but I'm sure that's pretty negative or positive for other people, depending on yeah. who reads it. Jensi, I mean, you've been you've been quiet. Were you stunned that we enjoyed it? So you you your ammo has now been sheathed. Yeah, I was. <laughs> uh, I was stunned that you both enjoy it uh, for sure, but I'm glad that. Uh, Neither of us gushed over it. Now, that, that's going to sound like a loaded statement, but I feel like as adults, we can appreciate Preacher from afar because I feel like people that are hardcore into Preacher, uh, to your points, uh, Drink, Dale, are like really in this 90s comic mm-hmm. scene and might like Bible thump uh, with the Preacher book as an evangelist might do with the Bible. Like, you guys don't know anything, preacher, preacher, preacher. But, you know, I like preacher for what it means, and then I like it for probably also uh, the same as you, Dale, that second volume where Garth Ennis was just not afraid of any kind of uh, archetypal storytelling. He just told the most grotesque <laughs> story he could, and somehow mm-hmm. it, it was super... Yeah, and I think I think the buildup too of that is, you know, his life with his grandmother was just so terrible, and even his parents' lives with this grandmother was so terrible. But I mean, just the the idea of revenge is probably what what kept us reading. I mean, you almost yeah. just like can't wait for them to get their comeuppance after it doesn't matter how many pages, a hundred pages or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just want to see it, and you can't wait to see it, right? Because it's got to be coming. Mm-hmm. Like after what you've witnessed in the beginning, like the end of the the cliffhanger, where I mean, and there's still got to be ramifications with what happened to Tulip. I mean, uh, Grandma Langell had Tulip's head blown off, and I thought that was the end of Tulip. I was like, holy moly, that's it, and. I mean, we're getting in spoilers, obviously. This is our book club. But uh, to see her come back in the next issue has me raising all kinds of questions. Like, was that really God that resurrected her? Did the grandma know she was going to be resurrected? Uh, Because there was obviously a being. Was it the same being speaking to grandmother? Mm. Because it was in her room when she was being spoken to. And, uh, you know, like, so it's going to be it's something that has to come out. Like when they're driving away from the Bayou house, uh, Langell Pat parish, uh, you know, like preacher, Jesse Custer's like, 
you know, I don't care. You're here, and the, and it's not a dream. That's all that matters. But, like, as they're driving down the dirt road away, like, Tulip has to say, by the way, I don't know if it's true or not, but I kind of have this message from God. He tells me to tell you to stop chasing him. Or, like, I don't know. Like, hopefully that comes out right away. I thought, and I've forgotten about this until I saw it again, I love the John Wayne yeah. Spectre. Mm-hmm. That like, that like, I mean, as as almost definitely a schizophrenic projection of like uh, Jesse's childhood. Like, it's got to be a coping mechanism. Uh, except that they throw in the tidbit that John Wayne knows who the Saint of Killers is, and gives that information to Jesse. And how could yeah. he know that unless he was a real thing, a real being? So there's that mystery there too. Uh, but I love the fact that this young boy idolizes John Wayne and he goes to the most tormenting childhood of all and so he just fabricates this John Wayne John personality Wayne, to help what guide What if John him. Wayne is God? I loved it. What if that's the reveal? I mean, maybe you know, maybe that's the big reveal of the book. Maybe. Is the du- maybe the Duke is idolized really him as a Ute and he was there when he needed him. His father was in Vietnam. Come on. I was in love with the book as soon as I see as soon as I see him in uniform. You were looking up like, you know, a uh, preacher dad uh limited series. Nom. That's what you Googled right oh, after you saw that. Please. Scene. I put in the Google search bar, please be real. <laughs> I thought um the preacher character it, himself was fascinating. He when he like, you know, he was obviously kind of guilt ridden, but you know, not to the levels that I would adore in a kind of Marcus from Deadly Class or Heath and Fear Agent, but he, you know, when he got back with 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 Tulip was in, back in the scene, he, like, wouldn't stop. Like, he was moving too fast, like, obviously moving too fast. Like, he didn't understand how to, like, space out his desire to get back together with her because she wanted nothing of it. And um, he even said, like, the line that was the connecting line for their relationship like at the wrong time and it made her angry. So I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting because I don't know, in general you don't see that kind of protagonist like foul up in a, in that way before, or at least I haven't. And I haven't no, really yeah, since. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I noticed that and I liked how it was like a, a behavioral flaw of the protagonist character. Like usually you don't see uh, somebody like that being so impulsive, mm-hmm. but he was ready to like get back to it, and, and he he wasn't even like worried about her. He was just trying to get her to forgive him, even though she didn't even know the story of why he left five years ago. Yeah, but he was like he just wanted to get back to it. I thought that was really charming. Like he just started laying on the lines immediately. Yeah, and Tulip, um, I mean. He- she was so dead set against um, ever getting back together with him because at that point you don't know what happened to them, like why they broke up. And then when you finally do um, see the reason you get, you, you know, you have a better idea of why she would be so Mm -hmm. against it. It'd be a, it's almost as screwy as like uh, an Alec Holland, Abigail cable relationship. I mean, they've been through it. Like, what is like she's a mm. and she and she turns out to be like a trashy kind of hit person like she's an assassin for this low life so it's not like she's you know uh clean herself but just the fact that they've uh like there's all these weird crazy circumstances around, surrounding their relationship and they're just both accepting of it is pretty crazy well yeah their their relationship when they were together was almost you know footloose and fancy free like they were stealing things they were kind of just like you know taking cars and trying to figure out what they want to do with their future and stuff so they weren't like you know the cleanest people in town in terms of records or presumed records and they just loved each other for it you know (laughs) oh boy so i i think you know i'd be i'd be interested in us doing a book two of preacher yeah i would be i would too I really what? I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And I think this this is like the if you put wow. you know like the probably the most highest reviewed 
big two books of all time. I'm sure this is in like the top 10 or whatever you call it, like with Swamp Thing, but like the Saga of Swamp Thing. Um, I mean, I, I don't know where I would rate it in that list. It's no Saga of the Swamp Thing. I mean, at least not yet, but mm-hmm. still very good. I agree. I'm, I mean, I'm anxious to watch the show. Yeah, I'm curious to see how they translate it. I mean, I certainly hope yeah, they I, won't feel as 90s. It'll be updated. You know, Preacher will probably have some sort of shaved side of his head and uh, like ultra devil lock. I don't know what the kids have these days. I don't know. <laughs> Is it called devil lock? I Is that a devil lock you have on your head there, Slim? Goofy parted. Preacher will probably hair. have like Macklemore hair. <laughs> Didn't you say? Didn't you refer to me as Macklemore yeah, hair on my Instagram? F-boy. Was that you? I may have. Yeah, it's yeah, very you may have. Of course, you know if you did. I did. <laughs> so there you have it. We'll see if we can schedule Preacher Book Two. It was three hundred fifty pages. You know, it was dicey. Uh, if we can got done. Yeah, let's we, just say if we can reveal. We we are actually recording on our day one recording date. We didn't have to reschedule, which is insane when you think about it. Which is Tuesdays, if you can piece together when my birthday was, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> social stalkers out there. Yeah. <laughs> there you have it. Preacher. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them to you. To you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You got to write us a letter. We might write on there. Our first letter. Uh, just an exceptional letter because it's a listener lightning round. Uh, it reads The Wicked and Divine, Volume 1 by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Very Kieran popular book. Gillen. Uh, it reads Gorgeous artwork, beautiful covers, and clever pop references aren't enough to make up for a story that tries too hard mm. oh and gets my. twisted up in itself oh doesn't live up to the hype. Whoa. And that's at Top 5 Bananas. Heard it there bringing first. It, bringing it, it hard, bringing it real, bringing it to your faces. He's bringing it real, that's right. <laughs> and he's bringing it to our faces. I uh, All I know is people love to cosplay as the Wicked and Divine, and they are not afraid to post their uh, costumes on Twitter mm. at all. They're not afraid. There's zero fear. Zero fear, yeah. They're, I mean, there's no fear. Well, because it's like the reverse thing. Like, there's, they have no fear to do it because what is somebody going to do? Challenge it? Yeah. <clears throat> How dare they? They will point out the, uh, then those challengers will then become the, uh, the example hunted. <laughs> They'll become hunted by the internet. They'll become hunted by the Rucker Howers and uh, <laughs> Prince Henry Stiltz. People love Wickdiv. They just, I mean, they love it. They do it. They use it. You know, I think it's for a different crowd. I think it's for a certain crowd. You know? Mm-hmm. It's not for, in general, middle-aged white men. If I can, you know, break it down like that. Makes, uh, I, mean, I, I that's definitely... That's with me. You know, not, yeah. every, but not every comic book has to be for middle-aged sure. white men. Absolutely. In fact, most of them shouldn't be. If I can be frank. Blunt. Here we go. I feel like you're doing a rare side pedal right now. (laughs) I mean, I've read Wiktiv. It's not something I love, but I understand that many people love it. Good. Next letter. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Next letter, a subject. Papa Preacher. Burn Uh the cars, burn the streets. Papa Preacher, Papa Preacher. Uh, howdy. So I reread Preacher right after the Twitter poll. I was meaning to read it anyhow, as the show is shooting right next door to where I'm now working. Oh, here we go. You know who this email's from. <laughs> the fun of living in New Mexico is, of course, they're going to shoot westerns here, in quotes. Unless you're a Quentin Tarantino, then you can shoot westerns wherever you want. Anyway, I like Preacher. I guess that's it. Thank you. At uh, Very Exciting on the Twitter who happened to uh, uh, show us an Instagram photo of pallets full of mm. Rainier beer being loaded onto the set mm. for Longmire Season 5. Uh. Good heavens. 
What a time. I would love to get a, a whole case of... Wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Rain like what? I hope, I hope uh, Longmire turns into a detective again, season five. Whoa. Sure, we'll, we'll see. Tell Whoa. you what. I mean, if you want to go back to our Longmire exposition, oh, I think Jonesy well. was not in that episode. Thankfully so, because you guys probably hated it. What do you mean? You, you didn't hear that one? You didn't listen to that? I did. Yeah. I did. And I thought you had valid points. I mean... Absolutely. The guy needs to learn how to solve a case again in the show without us being in on it. Branch. He didn't have branch <laughs> with him. <laughs> and I'm I mean, sorry. Let's... I would love I want I want Longmire. I want it I want to have it a chance at Longmire and Starbuck. Yeah, I just want to give it a chance. Give love a chance. Wait. What? People need love. You gotta, you gotta experiment. You gotta see what love is right for you. Mm-hmm. You gotta make mistakes. You know. Mm. Okay. Let's make mistakes together. Mm, let's do it. Let's get, let's just get crazy. You know. <laughs> I feel like this should be the, uh, the commercial where the the what about love song comes on in the background. What's that, Mister Clean? I mean, who was she even with in season four? That that dope of a detective. The, uh, the other deputy, Amon. <laughs> <laughs> no, remember the one detective got fired. Who's the one guy that came in that was kind of squirrely? He looks like what's his face from Fury Road. Yeah, he was pretty squirrely. Oh yeah, the crazy he, one. He did get S canned, but he so got fired. Zach or Taylor, Zach. I think it was Zachary. Yeah. He got fired, but then like that was it, right? He was out. I thought he was going to bring him back, or maybe hopefully that happened season five. I think he's going to be crazy it. in season five. They're going to be. That's not right. You know. God, you know what's that season four? That exhale is all I can say right now about season four. I mean, it was never the greatest I mean, I'm glad, written I'm show. Glad it happened, but I feel like season one and two were, you know, it's like Western Broadchurch. You know, it's at a level season of television two, you, you, it's hard to surpass. Season two was just gorgeous television. Every single episode. Hmm. You remember where uh, Walt's daughter injured at the end of season two? Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, Henry getting freed and his head outside of that car with his hair blown in the wind. Oh, oh. Him and him and Henry sitting on the porch of the house. Him and his daughter sitting on the porch of that house talking about his wife, the, the true story behind his wife. Walt's 94, Bronco XLT. B- uh, Walt so- running through the fields. With the shotgun in his hand, you guys forget how bad the plots of the show were. This is all cinematography that is beautiful, yes, <laughs> yes. but Listen, it's still good ter- cinematography it's all bad. can can reward a lot of things. Absolutely. Are you telling me right now that season one and two stories are not good, Dale? Is that what you're trying to say right now? I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying they're definitely not above uh, what is it, uh, Monster of the Week type stuff, Crime of the Week. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you're saying Absaroka County has some absurd murdering well, I mean, prostitution they have, they out the wazoo. They have, they found a dead body a day at Absaroka County. How big is that county? <laughs> there should yes. be FBI flying around that town being like, what the F are you guys doing in this county? What's happening? You're fired, Walt. You know, what? Get control. I think in the third novel, uh, Standing Bear is like, uh, you know, you... You've been sheriff for Absurd County for like 25 years. And he's like, from year one to year 24, how many murders did you investigate? And he's like, one. Right. And he's like, how many this past year? He's like, eight. He's like, maybe you should retire. <laughs> Standing bare nose. Uh, listen, I'll have final say on it. Give love a chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Starbuck, give Starbuck a chance. I mean. All we are saying. Starbuck. Seasons one through three of Battlestar Galactica. Give are it you, a chance. Are you kidding me? You're we've not. not seen, by that. We've all seen Battlestar Galactica season one through three, right? No, I have <sighs> not seen it. Jesus. Here we go. H. Here we go. Exposing us. You know, you need this to is watch. probably worse than uh, no. This is folks who know this. It's worse for us than knowing that I didn't register to vote or something <laughs> like that. Like that I didn't see Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Here come. Listen, I just sang. Star- Are we in the fireside right now? Um, no, we we're not in the episode? fireside yet, but we should okay. we should probably transition. Battlestar Galactica season one through three, some of the best television 
sci-fi television I've ever witnessed. I have heard that. That's I that's a thing have. people say. They also say it ended in a in a giant fart whimper, <laughs> which unfortunately is true. I didn't even finish the final season, but Starbuck. Mm-hmm. I know my wife doesn't listen to the show. I'm just going to tell you right now. Stunning. That's that show banked her career. She could do whatever the heck she wanted. I mean, that's what it got her got her Longmire probably. I'll tell you what got her Starbuck role. Halloween eight. Halloween Resurrection. She was in that, huh? Terrible in that. Speaking of which, we should talk about in the Fireside our pro wrestling soiree. Oh yeah, let's get to the oh, Fireside. Yeah. I'm interested to hear. Let's start telling me. Stay tuned. Next week, we have no idea. I don't even think we have a book club picked out. That's how we roll. Maybe it'll be Preacher Book 2. Who knows? <laughs> Josie with a labored sigh. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line is we'll see everybody next week. Mm-hmm. Give love a chance. Give Battlestar Galactic a, Galactica a chance. <laughs> you know, it's pretty good. We'll see everybody next week. Love you. Fireside will talk about why Jonesy doesn't want Walt and her to get together. Season 5. Stay tuned. tell you right now i'll tell you what hold on let me, let me pull like down that. the music here you're not even you're you're not even waiting let me shut it down here it's like a derby I'm horse so, i'm just bursting <laughs> out the gate uh you're talking about vic chop, from longmire is that we're getting into right chop, now i'm i'm getting ready for it you know why <laughs> i don't want tv walt and vic to get together because it can't possibly be better than spoilers how they got together in the books so, like, in book three, uh, Walt flies out or drives out to Philadelphia, and there's this sordid love triangle between uh, Vic's mom and Walt, and then, like, Vic uh, marks her territory, if you please, and then, like, takes Walt, and it's just, it's a very interesting story that he tells, and it's... I don't think it's going to play out as cool as that on the show. Hard to do without. <laughs> as, I already have it. As cool, that itch is already scratched for me. As cool as Walt having sex with Vic and Vic's mom in Philadelphia. He never had, listen. He never had sex with Vic's mom, but it's alluded that she wants the Walt train to stop at her station. If you know what I'm saying. I mean, I just Sexually. I just said sex on the show. I don't know. I'm not sure if we need to go the, that deep of a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> but that could. I mean, but Vic's mom taken, married to commissioner or commissioner of the police. Uh, she can't make the same mistake twice, kind of thing. So she, even though the tension is there, it would never happen. What if they? What if? So you're not. You're only against it because of the way it went down in the book. You're not just overall against Walt and Vic. No, I'm not. I'm not against it at all because I already have it. Like I already know how that scenario plays out for those characters and it's a good scenario because it, like most things Longmire, it can't be perfect or even close to. So you just get a more interesting story with those two now having to live with having slept together. So like I think there's a story there, but I think it's done so well in the books and I just you know I don't need that to happen again in the show as a fan of the novels you know if you had to guess how old Katie Sackhoff was Vic in, in Logmire how old do you think she would she would be 37 uh, close? yeah it's I'd say uh, 35 35 years old bingo was his name O'Dale 35 Mm-hmm. Wow, Katie. Katie, call me. <laughs>
Oh, so yeah, we went to uh, Raslin. Oh man, last okay. uh, this previous weekend, Jonesy bailed. You know, something about an anniversary with his wife. I don't know what was the story ba, 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 was ba, ba, ba. there. Yada yada yada. The big five. Who cares? Lobster big. bisque. <laughs> so we uh, we found a wrestling organization in South Jersey run by a former ECW referee, Jim Molyneux. And we decided to go down there, me, Dale, Just Dave, former guest host of the show. We had no idea what to expect. It was in this industrial complex, sat maybe 75 people. Dale, Dale, take us through your first pro wrestling experience. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, it wasn't my first. Oh, that's right. Yeah, your first with us, really. Yeah, the first with you guys, which is the which is better. I mean, my first ever was to see uh, your favorite superstar of mine, uh, Mr. VIP LJ Cruz. But uh, this one, I got to see it with uh, my friend Slim and Dave, which is amazing to see, uh, to attend any sort of wrestling thing with Slim, because you can just tell like he's got the eye for it he's he's like studying the choreography in the uh, the match like any time somebody slips under the bottom rope and like goes over the apron immediately slims like somebody watch him somebody like immediately he knows that something's gonna happen it was, so it was pretty amazing to see but it was it's just a to see these guys be passionate about something that they love to do and the way they can work a crowd and stay in character while they're wrestling is is just the most fun you could have. I mean, I just laugh the entire time, even when somebody's like, and it's not like uh, watching, uh, you know, WrestleMania or something on TV. You don't, that kind of stuff doesn't translate over the TV, at least not for me. Like, if somebody's being a bad guy, Shawn Michaels kicking Marty Jannetty through the pane glass window, like, that's a real D-bag move. But if it happened in person, I would be laughing because I know it's just all acting and these guys are so into staying in character, I can't help but chuckle and be amazed and smile the whole time. And, like, some of the, uh, the people there in character just had me smiling like some of the bad guys some of the good guys <clears throat> there was a guy that came out who was obviously wearing like a wrestling wrestling tights but in, but he had like white jeans and white boots on and he had like a captain's hat he had his big afro a captain's hat big sunglasses and like hawaiian shirt and he was like a bad guy but he was my f- i mean he's just by by far my favorite like his get up his i mean just he had his hair it was just fantastic, and we had a great time. I mean, uh, you know, these guys are uh, passionate about what they do in their wrestling club. There was only three matches, which was kind of bunk, but if you only have so many wrestlers in the organization, like, you're going to make do with what you have, and that's for sure. And you're going to have the most fun you can with what you have. And if it's three, like, 25-minute wrestling matches, then that's the way it is, but they're, they wrestle their hearts out. Man, and we had a great time. Five, I think there might have been five matches. Five? There was the tag team championship match. Then there was like the six man tag. Then Evil Eddie had a match. Oh, yeah, Evil Ed had a match, right? And With... then the last man standing match. So maybe four. And then, uh, yeah, maybe there was only four. I think the the main takeaway for me was, and I said this several times to both Dale and Dave was that we could be doing this. This oh, could God. be us. And he slim with those that forked tongue of his you know makes me consider this crap. My heart is going to explode just by raising my voice. I can't like Your baboon to, heart. My baboon crap heart. Uh I'm just telling you. Makes me want to get in the effing ring and and wear white jeans and white boots and have a character. I because even though if I, I might not be the best wrestler, I would do my damnedest to stay in character and entertain people. I would do my damnedest because <laughs> it would be so great to stay in some kind of a character like that and to act when somebody's like grabbing my shirt or like punching me in the mm-hmm. stomach. <clears throat> I mean, I'm just saying next year. It could be us, Jonesy. Los Miracodada. 
<laughs> I mean, they said the old time wrestling I mean, has that's part of the bit. Drives. We don't even know Spanish, but we'll be Spanish <laughs> wrestlers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't wait to go. I, I saw your Instagram blow up that night, and I think I like tried to triple like every post. Yeah. It looks so great. It your and your shots of it made it look so stunning. I mean, we could have there were they had front row seats. You know, it was like ten dollars to get in. You could get popcorn and hot dogs and stuff. And uh, the front rows were reserved, which is bummer. But then, like, I guess some people didn't show up, so they took the reserve um, signs off. But at the time they did that, I was holding our seats while Dave and uh, Dale, you know, imbibed in the trunk of your car. Sure. Yeah. And. So that was they, fun too. That part, yeah. And then they, they, some people took those seats, and then there was a thing that happened during one of the matches where, like, some wrestlers like jumped over the top rope and like hit several of those chairs where we, where we would have been sitting. It would have been just a, an amazing oh, memory yeah. to have. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, and see this like, I mean, this sixteen-year-old ref in there cutting his teeth, <laughs> trying his darndest to like be a wrestling ref. I mean, he had it. He he refed all those matches. That was probably like his workout that week. Yeah, intense. It's probably where he's got to start if he wants to be in the business. That's right. You got to start somewhere. That's probably where we'll start. You know, being refs. We're gonna be the best refs there is. I got to tell you that right now. Got to start studying tape. Got to start studying you studying tape.